0: The views and opinions expressed by guests on this podcast do not represent or reflect the official policy or position of the Take a Pain Check Foundation and podcast. All information shared is from personal experiences and does not constitute medical advice. We do not take responsibility for any statements expressed during the podcast. Take a Pain Check does not endorse any products or services. Any said products or services mentioned on this podcast may not be suitable for you or your condition. Please consult with your physician if you have medical questions as it may pertain to your condition.
1: Hi everyone, welcome back to this week's episode on Take a Pain Check. I'm so excited to have Anna joining me today. Hi, Anna, can you start off with a brief introduction about yourself and your condition? Maybe tell me a little bit about where you go to school, your aspirations and hobbies.
0: Hi, I'm Anna. I'm 23 years old and my pronouns are they, she. I am diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis and fibromyalgia and I was diagnosed with both at the same time. I go to school for English at McMaster and I'm going to start my final year in the fall. And my hobbies are reading, writing, and I've recently taken up gardening. I used to knit, but I can't do that anymore because of the pain in my hand. And yeah, that's me. I've talked to you a
1: lot over social media, and we're going to get into that in a bit. But it's nice to know what you're kind of doing outside of the advocacy and social media world. So you did mention that you're diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis and fibromyalgia when were you diagnosed with these two conditions
0: I was diagnosed in October 2019 so it's been like almost three years and were they at the
1: same time or like different times
0: uh they were at the same time but that was actually kind of confusing for me because I didn't realize I was also diagnosed with fibromyalgia until like later. When did you start experiencing
1: symptoms that kind of led you to go see a healthcare professional?
0: I was having pain in my lower back and like my SI joints, so like the pelvis and stuff. And I like, it would just, there was no cause. I would just have pain regardless of what I was doing. And like, at first, for like a solid year, I want to say, I didn't actually go to the doctor. Cause I was like, I was talking it up to like circumstantial things. I was like, Oh no, I'm on my period. So it's probably that, or I just slept funny or something. So I just kept doing that for a year, but it just kept getting worse. And then finally I was like, I actually don't know what's causing this pain and I'm kind of concerned. So I went to my family doctor and, um, I don't know. I thought she would do more for me, but I kind of went to her and she was like, yeah, I don't know what that's about. Just use a heating pattern. And I was like, that's not enough. I've been doing that. That's why I'm here seeing you. So that was like, I want to say my first brush was having a healthcare professional not take me seriously. And like, I still think about it sometimes because I don't know. At that point, I was just like, anytime you need help, you just go to the doctor and they help you out, or at least they try to help you out. And that was just it was like a paradigm shift for me. I was like, everything I thought I knew about healthcare isn't true. And it felt dramatic at the moment. I just tried to ignore it, but like the symptoms wouldn't go away. They were just getting worse. So I kept going back to her. I felt like she was annoyed of me, but like, just help me out. (laughs) But yeah, so. I kept going, and she was like, okay, I'll do some blood work then, and this is after like a solid six months, and, you know, my vitamin D was low, and so was my B12, and she said that could be causing, like, pain and some of the fatigue I was feeling, so I was like, okay, I'll start taking those, and I don't know, personally, I feel like they haven't helped all that much, but, you know, like, she did blood work again, and they were better. So she was like, Oh, okay, so you should be better. Cool. Come back if something's wrong. And I was like, okay, like, we'll see. But then I just kept going back. And that happened over the course of like two years until she was finally like, let's do x-rays. I was like, please. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: I wish I didn't have to find out that way, but it's good to know. You got x-rays done and then that kind of led you to your diagnosis.
0: Uh, Yeah, basically, the x ray showed that one of my vertebrae was like, it was more forward than it should have been. And that was like causing pain. So I got referred to an orthopedic surgeon. And that kind of scared me because I was like, I don't know, the, like, the title just sounds so scary. I was like, what are they going to do? But the orthopedic surgeon didn't do anything. And it was like, a year of waiting for that appointment. And I finally see her, and she's like, "Yeah, nothing's like wrong. I can't really do anything." She ordered like MRIs, and I was like, "Okay, cool. Like, finally, some like deeper imaging." But um, that didn't really show anything either. So she's kind of like, "Just go back to your family doctor." And I was like, "So I waited a year to get told to just go back to my family doctor." Like, I was exhausted. I was like, I have other things to do, and I feel like I'm just like being bounced around from doctor to doctor. Honestly,
1: sucks like being bounced around from doctor to doctor, and especially because you're also experiencing pain, and then on top of that, you have so many things to like worry about now. You have to worry about, okay, what is actually my diagnosis? I'm still in pain, they can't figure it out. You probably had school. Uh, and other things going on. And that's, that's crazy. And that shouldn't really be
0: happening to anyone. Yeah, I was so surprised when I like kind of joined the chronic illness community online. And I realized that so many people have had similar experiences, because when that happened to me, I was just like, Oh, I guess I'm an outlier. Like, it was just like, a random circumstance where the doctors just didn't know or something. But it happens a lot. And that's, concerning.
1: I wanted to ask you, how do you actually advocate for yourself in a
0: healthcare setting?
1: Because you did mention that you went back and forth to these doctors, but do you have anything that you did in particular
0: that ensured that you were always advocating for yourself? It was really hard. I've just never been a great communicator. And I've just generally been kind of soft spoken. So it's been like, it was hard to get someone to listen to me because they were kind of just like brushing me off. And I was like, no, I need you to listen to me. And I've never been that sort of like assertive person. So it was like, not only do I have to like talk about my actual symptoms and what I'm going through. I also have to get better at talking to people. So um like I personally think it was a good thing for me in some ways, kind of like a blessing in terms of like being more confident because I like I've even had family members tell me they're like in the past year or so you were just so much more confident and like you just you're better at talking to people and I'm like I feel that way too and it's literally only because I've had to like advocate for myself with like healthcare professionals and it's just honestly I don't know how to say this without it sounding like bad I guess. But the best way to advocate is just be annoying. Like, you have to be annoying. You have to annoy your doctors. You have to constantly call them. Like, it sucks that that has to happen, but they're going to address, like, the loudest person in the room, the one who's constantly making a fuss, because then they're finally going to notice you. And it sucks that you have to do that to get noticed, but
1: that's just what works. For me and a lot of people have to do that I haven't had like any particular situation when that's happened because usually when they like email my doctors they've always been really good and they've always kind of answered and given me what I needed which I've been really grateful for but I I know that it's so important to continue to advocate yourself and being annoying is fine you know <laughs> that's what we gotta do that's what we gotta do to make sure our lives and our quality of life is like way better so definitely like being annoying just do it it's fine
0: yeah and honestly it's not even like being annoying really it's like I feel like the healthcare professionals might get irritated but like it's not even really being annoying it's like hey just hear me out it's just they'll act like we're being annoying but like just talk to me (laughs)
1: yeah it's kind of just communicating a lot I'd say in a more positive way (laughs) so you've had these conditions and you are on medications How did that medication journey work
0: for you? Once like the orthopedic surgeon just told me to go back to my family doctor, I went to her and she was like, I'm going to refer you to a rheumatologist. So she did that. And once I got in touch with my rheumatologist, I feel like everything was a lot smoother. Like I got diagnosed within, I want to say like a year and especially for ankylosing spondylitis, like it can take like up to eight years or more to get diagnosed. So like since meeting a rheumatologist. So I, I was just thankful that I was referred to like a good rheumatologist. And he started me off on a bunch of like NSAIDs. And I, I don't know how many I took, I think I took like seven or eight, like I cycled through them through the course of like six months or something. And they just didn't help it was really frustrating because he was like okay take one for like three weeks or so and if it doesn't help like go on to the next one and I was just constantly doing that and they just wouldn't really help it's not like I had no relief it was just like so minimal that it wasn't worth taking so what do you take right now I get like Remicade infusions monthly I've recently started getting ketamine infusions too, and that's every two or three months. And I get nerve block injections in my lower spine and hip. And I'm taking deloxetine to help with the fibro.
1: I remember to take a medication. But my fear is like when I move out, because I'm moving out this September to university. Like I didn't move out last year because my school is online. But my fear is like I'm gonna forget. And there's like random nights, like on Monday nights, because that's when I take my methotrexate, which is like a pill for my arthritis. And sometimes I just like randomly realize at 10 p.m. Oh great, I didn't take it. And like, like it randomly just clicks. And I feel like that is so bad because sometimes I just like completely forget and like you shouldn't forget. And most of the time I remember, but I'm just scared that when I move out, I'll have so many things to worry about. Like I won't think about it. So do you have any like tips for people out there who also like, you know, need
0: need some help? remembering what to do honestly reminders like on like the reminder app or whatever on your phone are great like I've got like a a different reminder for each of my meds so I just like I just get the reminder on my phone or like I'll see it on like my watch or something I'm like oh okay so I got to take my meds now and that's uh really helpful before I actually started like using the app which like, I don't know why I took so long. It's been there all along and it's been so helpful. I used to just like, every day I just wake up and I just like write down, take your meds on like a sticky note. And I would just stick it in whichever room I knew I was going to be in. Or like, I would stick it on my phone or something if I was going out. And that worked like half the time, but it still helped. Yeah, I mean, those are definitely good tips.
1: Like you said, like we have those apps, I just like have never gotten to the point where I'm like okay like do we really need to put it in that app but I see how it can be helpful and it's definitely something that I will be doing in <laughs> September but yeah it, I feel like a lot of these things are so convenient but it just takes like one extra step to like get there or, like even like do it.
0: Yeah that's that's so true and I just like using like the app that's just on my phone because that's like it'll sync with like my laptop too so if like I'm studying or something I'm not really paying attention to my phone like I'll still like get the notification so that's helpful but I know like there's some specific apps they make like for medication reminders like you can put in like the dosage and stuff so that's cool I've never really used those but um I've heard that they're like helpful yeah I think my
1: main concern is just like not It's not the dosage because I know how many I take. It's, like, remembering that, like, okay. Like, honestly, the only one that I've really ever probably am maybe going to forget, that was a lot, uh, is, like, methotrexate, which is on Monday. Because it's, like, so random. It's, like, once a week. Whereas everything else, like, I have it, like, on a regular basis. So I just, like, remember to have it. Um, So I definitely think, like, the different medications you take and the different times you take plays a big role on, like, if you're going to remember it or not. (laughs)
0: that's so true like I recently had to start taking like this muscle relaxant and it's like that's not a part of my usual like medication regime or whatever so I would forget to take it so I just started adding it to like my pill organizer thing but I'm not supposed to take it at the same time as other pills so it gets a little confusing but um like, my mom got me one of those pill organizers, like, for, like, the whole week, and it's, like, each day is, like, divided up by, like, morning, afternoon, evening, night, and that's been so helpful, because I just used to walk around with a bag full of, like, bottles, and that's so suspicious, and I don't know why I used to do that, but having a pill organizer, like, really helps. I've got this, like, multicolored one. It just makes it more fun, so, like, I feel like that. Helps me remember a bit too because I just got this little thing. Like I could just put it in my pocket versus like taking a whole like bottle
1: or something.
0: So yeah, pretty helpful.
1: I see how that could be like a little sus, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm definitely gonna invest in one of those pill organizers. I think that's gonna be really helpful just to like differentiate because like everyone has like their night pills and their morning pills and like things like that. So even I do, and I think that would be like, good for me. So if people wanna take that advice you have ankylosing and spondylitis and fibromyalgia and those are two different conditions so how do you differentiate which symptoms are for
0: what I actually have trouble with that sometimes because they're both like chronic pain conditions so I had to learn a lot about like different kinds of pain so if I'm having like pain where the slightest amount of like pressure or even just like a slight touch hurts I know that's fibromyalgia because that's like the type of pain that is, it's called like allodynia. And but if it's like AS, I would have like, like it would, the pain would feel deeper if that makes sense. Like, like if, at least for me, I don't know how it is for other people who have AS because it can really differ. But it feels like it all starts in like, my lower back and, like, SI joints, and it just, like, radiates elsewhere. So, like, that's where it would always hurt the most. So, that's how I know it's, like, AS. Um, But then there's other times where I just have no idea which thing it is. So, I just kind of try different, like, remedies or whatever until something works. And I'm like, oh, that usually works for fibro. So that was probably fibro pain. I just kind of have to figure it out, especially with eye pain. And I also have like dryness, like chronic dry eye because of the AS. But um, one of the symptoms of that is light sensitivity. But fibromyalgia also causes light sensitivity. So sometimes it's hard to figure out what is going on exactly. And then you just kind of wing it, but it's yeah. really about getting in tune with your body. I
1: feel like a lot of the symptoms overlap sometimes, right?
0: Yeah, a lot. I will have trouble sleeping, and I know that that's a fibromyalgia thing, sleep disturbances. But also, if I'm going through, like, an AF flare-up, it's going to be harder to sleep because of the pain, and it's just hard to know. It's It's hard to figure that out.
1: And then... You definitely had to, like, start learning about your conditions at some point with diagnoses. Did you use any resources to actually help you learn about what you were going through even further? Like, yes, you were experiencing it, but knowing more about what's out there or reading about it, what did you do to kind of educate yourself?
0: I did, like, do my typical, like, Google search and, like, read up on, like, some of the more basic explanations of both conditions. But... I feel like that only explains like how the conditions affect the body. And I was like, okay, so now I feel like I have a better understanding of that because I'm also living through that. I get that. But I was like, what does that look like in everyday life? How do people who have these conditions go about like their daily lives when like they're going through pain or like some symptoms are acting up or they're having a flare up like what does that look like so I started looking on like social media I just like searched up hashtags of like AS or fibro and I feel like that's when I really learned more about the conditions because it wasn't just like like a clinical point of view so I learned like people who have like morning stiffness from AS they will actually schedule their day or like make their routine so that they do less in the mornings. And I was like, I feel like I kind of started doing that anyways to compensate. But I used to beat myself up over it. And it's like, no doctors ever really like, you know, talk to me about like, hey, so these are your symptoms, but like, how do you deal with it? And yeah, just reading about other people's experiences online has helped so much but like it's also important to know that like everyone's like disease manifestations look different and and these are also like dynamic disabilities so even for the one person they can differ from day to day or even during the day people with the same conditions can look different and have very different lives but There's also so many similarities, and it's just, I've been learning so much, and it's just been so great to see how other people go about their lives. Honestly, it felt like a death sentence at first. I was like, great. So I have this chronic condition, and it's incurable. What do I do with my life? You know, other people are still getting by, still doing things like it, it's not as catastrophic as it felt initially.
1: Yeah, and I think that's when we bring people like you on our podcast and other people on the podcast, because like you said, the life is not over. Like we can still kind of accommodate and figure out what will be best for us and kind of see the different things we can do to make sure we're still living our life the best as we can. And yeah, so it's great that you kind of brought that up. I think a lot of the things that we do learn on social media about when we see other patients posting it's kind of like the life hacks I feel of like what they do and what like I could do as in how to kind of manage your pain so like self-management you know like if you're in like a flare-up and you want to do some self-care like a tip would be like oh like I just like to take like warm baths or something like that you know what I mean like it's not like take this medication or like this will happen (laughs) like it's never like that and it shouldn't be like that and if that is you Definitely need to talk to your rheumatologist like all the time about like what you're kind of doing and what your life is like. But I do see how in a clinical setting, it's completely different. Like it's more like we need to fix that joint, right? It's not, okay, so once we fix that joint, or like we, we kind of make sure that you're okay. How how are you gonna manage your daily life? How are you gonna manage your like routines? I don't feel like that's not a conversation. Like self-management is not really a conversation in most clinics.
0: Yeah, and like when when you kind of try and bring that up with doctors, I don't know, it's it's not like they shut it down, but it seems like they don't know much about that either. They're kind of like, oh, just do whatever hurts less. And it's like, well, yeah, but is there a proper way to go about this? I don't want to be like, you know, inadvertently like making my conditions worse or doing something that's causing more inflammation or something, but yeah, I completely agree. I wish like doctors could kind of provide some insight or at least redirect you to other like resources that could help you figure out how to like live with these conditions. I feel
1: like it needs to be more of a holistic approach and that's what's kind of missing. I feel like that's so important because that's what patients want. We want to have those comfortable conversations about that holistic approach. It's not just medication.
0: I agree. i I feel like there's just so many more options when, like, you talk to other people who have these conditions. Like, they've also tried things and they never try to, like, fix you or they're like, this is the one thing that's going to, like, cure you of your conditions. They're kind of like, this is what works for me. Give it a go. And that's, like, less pressure when you're using it or trying it out. But also, it's like, okay, cool. Now, there's, another thing that I can consider when I'm trying to like alleviate symptoms and I feel like doctors just kind of go straight to meds and like yeah meds do help but like like the day-to-day stuff I feel like they really don't address that and like for me specific specifically I feel like that's where my symptoms will be aggravated a lot like while I'm doing other things and I'm like, okay, but, you know, the rheumatologist told me to take my meds. I took them. I'm doing physio. Like, they told me to do my exercises. I did them. But then why am I feeling so, like, horrible later? And it's like, there's just so many more things to consider. And I wish, like, if doctors don't actually explain that to you, I wish they just redirect us to the something. Doctors. Like, yeah, like, go look at this link or something or, like go talk to this person. And I feel like that was the most troubling thing for me, like getting diagnosed because I was diagnosed 2019. It really hit me February 2021. My condition was just getting worse. And I was like, okay, so I can't ignore this anymore. It's happening. I need to like accept it so I can actually get better because I was almost like bed bound. It was getting really bad. And I had to find all these resources and other things to help me in addition to medication that was just really hard to navigate because there's so much stuff on the internet. And it's like, there's a lot of helpful stuff. There really is. But then there's a lot of stuff that isn't helpful either. And it's a lot harder to differentiate between those when you're just first coming into that and you don't really know anything
1: I wanted to talk a little bit about physio because I know you like slightly briefly mentioned that so what are some ways that you manage your pain or do you have any things that you use to aid mobility on a daily basis
0: in terms of physio I just started physio like in February of this year and it's been so helpful because before that especially with AS the one thing Doctors will say, but also like you'll see online a lot is to stay active. And that's because, like, you want to keep your mobility, otherwise, your disease, like, left untreated, your spine's going to fuse. And that's scary. And the only way I think, I'm not completely sure, but the only way to really do anything once your spine has fused is surgery. And it's all about just slowing down the progression. So they say to stay active. And I've always found that very frustrating because I'm like, okay, my pain is the reason I can't be active. So is there a certain way I'm supposed to be active? Like, are there certain activities I should avoid if they, like, make it worse? I just didn't know how to approach it. And everyone was like, just, like, be active not that hard. And I was like, I need something clearer. So I finally went to a physiotherapist. So I'm like, I have... AS but also fibro how do we work with that and like they've got me doing more specific exercises that target mobility but I don't overexert myself doing those exercises because especially with fibromyalgia I get super tired like I barely do anything and I'm winded I need to rest but I can't rest that much because that makes the AS worse like physios helped a lot with that so I feel like In my experience, having a professional who's familiar with your conditions can help you actually be given a way that works for you. Because I tried doing yoga on my own, and oh my God, I was pulling like every muscle. I was so tired, and I was like, why do people like this? What is this doing for people? I'm so annoyed. But I guess I just like that was like general yoga. Like it wasn't meeting my needs that someone was like, AS and fibro, but um, in terms of mobility aids, I use a cane, I wanna say like almost permanently now. It's been about a year and a little bit. I was just having a lot of trouble walking for like more than a couple minutes. And I just couldn't stand. I was that person who would just lean on a wall or like anything, or I was like, I need to sit down. Even if it's like the middle of a grocery aisle, it's weird, but I need to sit down. And having a cane really helped with that because I wasn't like I had something supporting me. So I've been using that like even when I'm not flaring up. Initially, I started only using it on like bad pain days or like when I was flaring up, but I realized that I was actually flaring up a lot more because I wasn't using it and I was just pushing through pain and all the other symptoms and I. I just wasn't getting to rest and like recover. So I use that like all the time, but recently I've also started using like a rollator and I only use that when it's like a walker that like just wheels. Um, I only use that if I know I'm going to be like walking a lot or I'm going somewhere where like you have to like move around a lot. So like if I'm going to the mall or like a walk, For something i'll take that no one ever told me to start using those so i felt weird about using them at first i was like i don't know i was like do i need to be told by a doctor to use a cane i was like is it weird if i just go to the store and get a cane like is that not allowed like it felt illegal i don't know why it's just Mm -hmm. so weird i i just knew i was struggling and i was like i can't wait like four months to see my rheumatologist i was like i'm just gonna go get a cane And I did. And I'm so glad I did. I mean, I guess it's not as bad
1: because like it kind of leaves out that like conversation of asking. But I see how it can be like kind of confusing and stressful because you're like, am I allowed to use this? Like, should I be using this? Because I see like other people using it, but only certain people. And it's just like. You just want that kind of approval to make sure that you know like what you're doing and you're on track with your health. I'm so glad that you were able to find so many things that literally work really well for you to manage your condition. But in terms of physio, like I know I wanted to start physio and I actually went to physio pre-COVID and I really liked it. Like I felt like it was so helpful. I felt like I was kind of getting stronger to like lift up a certain amount of weights, but they knew that like it wasn't like like actually lifting but it was just like pulling and pushing with this bar and like there were certain like kgs that you had to like do and it just felt like they knew what I was supposed to do which was really good so I definitely am like pro physio like that is something that I hope to continue doing I have not done it in two years but I see the benefits of it um, I just need to make time and I know that's like not a good excuse but I Like, I'm just like, oh, I'm so busy. I have no time to go to physio and like ever even do it. But I do want to like implement it back in my life because like you mentioned, there's so many benefits and it's working with someone who understands what you're doing.
0: Of course, you have to do like physio regularly and like, you know, you got to do your exercises at home too. But like, if you can only go to physio like once a week or once every two weeks or something, and that's when you end up doing your exercises, like, yeah, that's not ideal But that's better than nothing. And if you're, you know, like, if you have the means, if you have the time, even if you go twice a week, and you only end up doing your exercises when you're there, that's still better than nothing. Like, I feel like people will end up like, like feeling bad about themselves or like, just feeling like shame or guilt. And then that will kind of turn them off to the whole experience. And they'll be like, I just I don't want to go anymore. And if doing anything is better than nothing.
1: I agree with that. I mean, I'm not the one to kind of say yes, to go do it because I don't do it. I'm not the best ideal person to be like, yeah, like exercise, go to physio because I I generally like don't. I wanted to kind of talk about if you've ever received any backlash for identifying as being disabled and being a young person
0: oh my god so much especially like at first so i want to say once like in february 2021 when i finally kind of admitted to myself that like these are chronic conditions they're incurable they're not going away i need to be okay with that i was like yeah i'm disabled i wasn't that confident about it but i started saying it and oh my god my family was so mad especially my mom she was like why are you calling yourself disabled and I was like, there's so many things I can't do. I because of my condition, to me, that's what being disabled means. When I go out, a lot of things that other people take for granted are obstacles for me, are barriers for me. And I was like, I think, at least to me, that seems like being disabled. I was like, from my experience, that's what it is to me. And my mom was like, No, you shouldn't say that. She was like, yeah, you have these conditions and you're diagnosed, but like, did the doctor tell you you're disabled? And that just kind of blew my mind. I don't know how it is for other people. Maybe people think you need to be told that you're disabled. I was like, yeah, the doctor never told me, but the doctor doesn't talk to me much. The doctor doesn't actually like know what my life looks like. They see me when I come to get my treatments or I have appointments, but they don't see how much I struggle day to day. I can tell them, but they're just going to, like look at it clinically, right? So my mom was super upset and she's like, don't say that in front of other people. And my dad was kind of like, Is this a phase? Like, why are you saying that? But yeah, that's just within like my immediate family. But then like cousins and aunts and stuff, they were kind of like, Why are you saying that? And I was like, Because I am disabled. Like it's okay. Like It's not a bad thing, I just am and it's okay. And they were like, no, like you shouldn't say that. And that was just really like frustrating. But then once I started using the cane, all of a sudden people, if they wouldn't have voiced it before, as soon as they see me using a cane, they voice it. Once I started using the cane, some people are kind of like, oh, okay, that is a marker of disability. That's like an identifiable thing. This means you are disabled, right? And I didn't know how to process that. I was kind of like, even if I don't use the cane, I'm still disabled. But then there were other people who took like me using a cane kind of like, I didn't actually need it. And I was trying to use it. Like an accessory. Yeah. Like they thought I was just using it because it looks cool or something. And I was like, I'm using it because I need it. Like if I want to. No no one's like, oh my God,
1: I really want one. Like it's so trendy. Like, no, it's not.
0: Yeah. I don't even know why that's an assumption people make because I don't know anyone who does that. It's not like a thing.
1: I feel like there's like so many things that people have said. It's just like, it's like a mind-blowing on how they even like come up with that. It's like, when did your imagination get like that (laughs) good?
0: Yeah, like some things are such a reach. And I'm like, I don't even know how you got to that
1: point. Yeah, I just wanted to like bring something up because I feel like maybe you'll have like and some input on it so I work at SickKids and I take the subway like every day to work and it's usually really packed and you know how they have like the specific like disability like seats they're blue Mm -hmm. and usually there's like a poster and most of the posters have someone either using a cane or in a wheelchair not even a cane I swear I've only seen like a wheelchair or if you're pregnant crutches or something yeah okay and, like, so one day, like, I was literally in so much pain. Like, you don't know, understand. I, like, I had a backpack. I had, a, like, a, like two bags. And I was like, okay, hey, look, all i need to do is, like, sit. And it's a 40-minute subway ride, okay? And, yes, technically, I am disabled. And, like, I am. But it's not something that I'm, like, it's not on the picture. So, like, it doesn't count, right? So you see all these people and, like, sitting there. And, honestly, I'm not going to invalidate them because maybe they are experiencing like they are disabled okay so like obviously I can't say anything but they're like full-on people that were like they were literally like walking around they were like doing so many different things and I'm just like sometimes I feel like people sit there and they're not disabled some of the signs which are very rare say that like if you're able like make sure that you're like like you're considerate to other people like There are some very rare signs somewhere across the subway that says that. Like, maybe, like, one of them. Most of them are just pictures of showing, like, certain um, people, like, wearing a wheelchair and things like that. And I just find it so frustrating because, like, I was in so much pain. I am allowed to sit there and every single, like, no way every single seat, like, disability seat is occupied. Like, that's, and I'm not invalidating anyone. I just find that, like, I've never seen every single seat and like I had to stand there 40 minutes so I was like because I don't want to go to someone and be like hi like I don't want to invalidate you because maybe you are yeah it's like so hard because like no way I've never seen like that many people like every single seat I'm about every single seat like couldn't find anything no red no blue no nothing like I was standing but it also I'm in such an awkward position to be like can you move? Because I don't know, maybe you are experiencing pain. And I feel like people would look at me differently. If I go and sit there and they'll be like, Oh, maybe she's not disabled. Why is she taking up that seat? So it's just, it's so challenging. Like I don't like, I don't know what needs to be said or done, but like, I just, yeah, that's like, it's something that's just like really frustrated me. If you are able to do things and like stand up, please do not take up a blue seat okay like please like it needs to be like a full-on announcement on the subway because (laughs) it just seems like no
0: one's like getting that through their mind there's so many people who will just go and like sit on the seats and it's like I like I get that but also I feel like they'll only kind of make room there is like something visible or identifiable from how they look that indicates that they would need this seat then they'll kind of get up, but it's like I feel like there's no like no one really talks about any way that you're supposed to navigate like having an invisible illness and like still kind of getting like accommodations like before I started using like my cane that was like a big thing for me too I was like how do how do I say this and i I kind of did what you did I just I would deal with it I was like i I don't want to invalidate anyone else, but I feel like by doing that, I was also kind of like invalidating myself. Yeah, it's so, so
1: hard. It's so it's tricky. Hard. Like, I'm just like, I and I stood there and I suffered and I like told my dad after, I was like, please take me to another like stop because maybe like, and honestly, like I waited the next time, I waited like two subways to go, like so two trains to go, so I was like maybe there'll be a spot for me. But that sucks. Like I shouldn't be waiting. I shouldn't have to like deal with that. And it needs to be some sort of, like, thing that kind of allows, like, that conversation to happen. That's
0: so true. But I feel like because I'm young, I've also been approached more with, like, unsolicited, like, advice. Because it's like, I'm at Walmart with a cane getting things I need from Walmart. Like, I'm just, like, it's a typical Walmart run. And I'm with my sister. And, like, this random guy just stops us. And he's like, Hey, what's wrong with you? And I panic. I'm like, I don't know what to say to this guy. So I'm like, arthritis, cause that's simplified. And why would I tell him my whole diagnosis? But he's like, I hope you feel better. And I know I won't. But I'm like, thanks. And then I thought the conversation was over there. Like I was already uncomfortable, but then he starts like telling me some like, random cure that he found for his own arthritis or something and then like people will always say something like oh like you're so young you have your whole life ahead of you you know you gotta like get over this and it's like I, like I don't have to get over it because you can't I have to like work with it yeah. like I feel like there's this big thing where people are like you have to like either ignore it and just like push through or you have to like somehow like overcome it and it's like you got to work with it
1: yeah you definitely like change your mindset and I think that's so important like other people should also start changing their mindset and like educating themselves on these topics because it's so important and like every other person is probably dealing with something like this so it's definitely like important to be open-minded but just going into some of your initiatives and interests because that's how I know you So you're currently an ambassador for Take a Pain
0: Check. How did you actually find out about us? I found the page on Instagram and I thought it was really cool that it was about young people, like adolescents kind of, like who have rheumatic conditions. And I was like, this is perfect. I am always looking for like other young people who have this because yeah, online, like I see some other people who are like, you know. They're not like old, but they're like middle-aged or young adults. And it's like, like I need someone who's more in like my age group who kind of gets it because there are specific things I'm going through in life in terms of like transition from like high school to post-secondary, getting a job and stuff. I need to talk to someone or at least hear about other people's experiences who are going through similar things. So I found the page and I was like, this seems really cool. And then I think there was a post about like, ambassador applications or like a story or something and at that point I wasn't even completely sure what an ambassador was or would do like especially for like um because I'd only seen it in the context of a brand yeah and I was like I don't know how that works but I'm interested I'll just go to the link and be how I feel and I filled it out and I was this seems like a good idea like since becoming an ambassador I just actually kind of feel like I get to meet people and talk to people in a way that I kind of did not before
1: yeah thank you for sharing that I think that's so important especially because I came up with the guidelines for the ambassador program and getting like more and more feedback on like how to improve it and getting your kind of input on how you felt about joining the program. I think that's so important so other people can like know that they can become an ambassador if they just reach out to us. And we're definitely like right now changing kind of the structure of the program based on the feedback of our ambassador. So we hope to kind of grow the program and see how we can get more youth and young adults involved. And it's usually just like a 13, 25 year old young people living with rheumatic diseases or any sort of chronic illness. We're open to all chronic illnesses. So as an ambassador, you've attended a few Take a Paycheck events and we had like the Mind Body Bluetooth event, the makeup event, and then you were part of our self-advocacy Instagram Live. And so do you have like a favorite one in particular you want to expand on kind of what you learned?
0: Honestly, the self-advocacy one that I was in like with Carly, that was really cool. And I was super nervous about it because it was, at least for me, it felt like the first like big sort of thing I was a part of. And it was like a bigger platform for me to like share my experience. And that was just a really nice experience. I feel like I really enjoyed that. And I hope it was like, like people found something helpful. It just also made me feel more capable, if that makes sense, something I feel like I learned from was actually the makeup event because I didn't realize how much my condition affected not just my ability to do makeup but like the associations I had with makeup because it would just hurt to do it it was just so nice to have an event I was like hey here's this everyday thing that a lot of people do and here's how you can modify it so you can do it as well I wish there was more of it and it's like no pressure too it's just like hey you can just come and watch if you want like you don't even have to participate if that's like overwhelming or something that was just really nice it was just a nice opportunity to get to like learn something new but with like a rheumatic disease like perspective that was just I thought that was really cool
1: I've actually like never seen an event like that. I did interview a makeup artist on um, our the podcast. The episode's called Makeup with a Flare Up. So if you want to check that out, you can. But um, all the things that Anna just talked about, they're all linked in our Instagram and I'll link them below in the description if you do want to check those out. And, and I know you're part of Health Union. And can you briefly just tell us a little bit about what they do and how that writing has helped you manage your own chronic illness?
0: So Health Union has a bunch of like community sites that focus on um, illnesses and conditions. I just thought it was really cool because I was like, oh my God, there's a whole site that's just about AS. That's what Health Union does. They like connect, you know, like patient leaders with like other healthcare professionals and it's just they just actually include patients being a part of health union it feels like you've got to say i'll definitely
1: link health union below so everyone can check it out and just before we end off the podcast episode i wanted to end with an advice segment what advice would you give to those who are struggling to use visual mobility aids in public areas
0: i think practice at home a bit like especially around family it kind of gets you used to kind of being around people with it, it, it's just an aid. It's like glasses, like you wear glasses because you need to see. It's nothing more than that. It's not it's not like a big deal. It's not something that makes you stand out. It's just something you need, it helps, and that's perfectly okay. Thank you so
1: much, Anna, for joining me
0: on this week's episode on
1: Take a Pain Check. We talked about your long-awaited diagnoses of ankylosing spondylitis and fibromyalgia alongside the medications that you take for both conditions. And this led obviously to a conversation about mobility aids. We talked about the healthcare system and we kind of finished off by talking about your involvement with health union and take a paycheck. So everyone definitely check out some of the links below. I have linked the self advocacy live, the makeup live um, and health union, as well as in social media channels, like comment, subscribe, share this episode and I'll see everyone in two weeks on take a paycheck. Thank you so much, Anna. Bye. Hi can't hide keeping me